It's Friday, 28th of October, and this is your CE Weekly Briefing. I'm David Wilder. Neil's out this week, but I'm joined by Jennifer McKeown, the head of our global economics service. Hi, Jenny. Hi, David. It's been a week of curious news on the inflation central bank front. We'll get to that in a bit. But first, I want to talk about the global economic outlook. This is our flagship quarterly publication, and the Q4 edition is called Recession Looms as Tightening Bites. Can I start by asking about this coming global recession. The last time we spoke on here, you, you'd warned that we'd be downgrading our forecast to factor in the recession. And now that we've finalized those forecasts from across our macro service, what can you tell us about how deep it's going to be and, and how long it's going to last? Yeah, well, you're, you're right, David. We've become a bit more gloomy over the past few months, whereas previously we were slagging recessions in several major economies. That now seems to have, have broadened and we're expecting a, a global recession now. And it will be a pretty deep one. We see world GDP growth slowing to 1.7% in annualised terms. We, we've got used to some pretty awful recessions recently, haven't we, with the, the pandemic and the global financial crisis before that. We don't expect this one to be as bad as either of those episodes. But if you exclude those two, it will be the worst since since the early 1980s. So, so it, it's going to feel quite grim, I think. That's grim in the aggregate. But if we break it down to a sort of regional and, and country level, can you talk a bit about which economies are going to prove most vulnerable in this downturn? Yeah, well, I think most people won't be surprised to hear that Europe is likely to be worst hit, given just the, the immense terms of trade shock that, that it's felt from rising energy prices. And we're already seeing signs of a, a serious hit to European economies. We're expecting peak trough falls in GDP of about 2% in, in both the UK and the Eurozone. In the Eurozone's case, that would be the worst recession since the Eurozone crisis around 2012. For the UK, it's been even longer since it's experienced a recession this deep. It will be the worst since the early 90s recession. So, so those European economies, also some parts of emerging Europe being hit relatively hard. Uh, and I guess for the US, I'm speaking to you just moments after the release of some seemingly upbeat GDP numbers, but we're still forecasting a recession there, aren't we? Yes, yeah, that's right. Those those numbers were were perhaps a little bit misleading. A lot of that strength in US GDP was driven by by net trade and partly by a very sharp fall in imports, reflecting that the weakness of domestic demand. A final domestic demand is considerably weaker, barely increasing now, and we think that that's probably a, a sign of things to come. The, the the strength of exports really can't last in the, this environment of a relatively weak global demand, a very strong dollar. But so going forwards, we we think it's almost inevitable that the US economy is going to weaken again. We expect it to start contracting early next year, but see the recession being much milder than those in Europe. Uh, and another striking takeaway from, from this whole forecast revision exercise has been China. We're actually forecasting contraction this year in China. I think it's 1%, but that's based on our proprietary read of, of Chinese growth. Next year, not looking that much better in terms of the government's ability to, to provide stimulus and the economy's response to that. But looking at the 2023 picture and, and this idea that China's in the midst of, of a, a downturn and that there's only a very low chance, it seems, of, of any kind of meaningful recovery, 
How much does that really matter when we look at the global economy? Well, it, well, it matters quite a lot. China's a fifth of the world and we're used to it growing at rates of around 6 to 8%. So this is certainly a drag at arithmetically on, on world growth relative to, to recent years. We've already seen... China's imports fall significantly. And of course, that's having an, an impact on other economies above and beyond its arithmetic impact on, on global growth. That's having an, an impact on other economies and will be most detrimental to commodity producers like Australia and Chile and also to, to nearby countries such as Korea and Malaysia, for whom China's a really big export market. Otherwise, though, it's perhaps not as big an impact as, as you might assume on economies outside China, the supply chain disruption related to its zero COVID policy has been an additional drag on, on global output, but it's not been a dramatic one. On the whole, Chinese authorities have managed to limit the effects of restrictions more to the domestic economy than to exports. And for big commodity importers, including parts of Europe and emerging Asia, the downward pressure on commodity prices, of course, will be welcome. The surging commodity prices over the past year or so has been a key factor pushing up inflation and dragging on real incomes. So to the extent that China's weakness can help ease that pressure, that's that's kind of that's a, a welcome offset. The Chinese government is facing a lot of problems on the economic front. I guess one problem it isn't facing is inflation. The heart of, of this analysis in the global economic outlook is this idea that, that persistently high inflation means central banks have to, have to keep hiking rates. They have to maintain these relatively tight monetary stances. But as I said at the beginning, it has been a curious week because we've, we're seeing more and more evidence of what I guess are being described as dovish hikes. We had the RBA earlier this month, then the BOC this week delivering a, a smaller than expected interest rate hike. And today in the ECB, they hiked 75 as the consensus was expecting, but it, it seemed like it, tonally at least it was quite a dovish announcement. And there are expectations that the Fed may soon be, be following suit and trimming the size of, of the rate hikes that we've been seeing, these big one-step moves. But given the inflation picture that's described in the global economic outlook and the inflation numbers that, that you guys are tracking, do you think the market's getting a bit ahead of itself with this idea that the central banks are now pivoting? Mm, yeah, well, it, uh, you're right. It has been an interesting week. And I think it is the case that we seem to be reaching kind of peak in the pace of tightening now. We'd always said that central banks were were looking to front load their, their policy tightening. We've seen some really huge hikes o over recent months. So it's perhaps not all that surprising that they're easing off a little bit. And what we're seeing, of course, is, is dovish hikes rather than any indication of, of cuts to come. So, yeah, maybe markets are getting a bit ahead of themselves in talking about this as, as a major pivot point at, at the moment. Price pressures are still the key concern. Central banks on the whole are still hiking. We think there are, are further hikes to come, probably 75 basis points from the, from the Fed next week. And of course, we've had 75 from the ECB this week. So we're still looking at, at pretty large rate hikes. That said, it does seem that we're looking at a slowdown in, in the pace of hikes, but that that varies quite a lot by economy. I think so far as the US is concerned, it's it's pretty clear now that leading indicators, at least of, of inflation, are, are pointing to an easing of, of inflation to come. It looks pretty clear that not only will headline inflation fall off next year, but core price pressures seem to be easing off a bit too. And it's, it's quite likely that Jerome Powell will give some hints of that, will give a nod to that after the forthcoming Fed meeting and perhaps indicate that the pace of 
rate hikes is going to slow, perhaps also mentioning the significant downside risk to economic activity and the weakness of, of the global economy. But he'll be quite careful not to indicate that there's a major pivot to come. He won't want to start, he won't want financial conditions to start loosening too quickly, given that inflation is is still high. And I think it's important to note that things are quite different in the Eurozone, whereas in, in the US, you can see that, that there are signs of core price pressures starting to come down, labour market conditions perhaps starting to loosen a little. That's not really the case in the Eurozone, where I, I think that, that the pivot point is further off and wage growth still seems to be picking up where labour market conditions are, are still very tight and where, of course, headline inflation is still much higher given what's been happening to energy. So I think, yes, in short, maybe we are coming towards a pivot now, but I think that will come sooner in, in the US, perhaps late in 2023, than in the Eurozone, where we think that, that rate cuts won't be in prospect until towards the end of 2024. And markets do seem a bit calmer than they have been in, in recent weeks. There's something of a, a relief rally been happening. And our markets team that doesn't think that that's something that can continue given the macro picture and, and, and given the still hawkish stance of central banks that you've just described. But it does feed into this idea um, of downside risks, which I think is quite a key takeaway as well from, from the outlook. And you describe quite clearly that the risks to your outlook are very much to the downside. Could you talk a little bit about what you see as the key risks here? Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. And probably that the key downside risk is still, despite this recent slightly less hawkish tone from the central banks, I, I think the key risk is still that they have to tighten policy more than we envisage to dampen demand drive inflation out of the system, bring wage growth down. And the central banks, of course, themselves have been really upfront in saying that that this is a, an environment of extreme uncertainty. They're not quite sure at, at which point inflation will start to come down. And they'll be watching indicators of, of wage growth in, in particular very closely to judge when they can start to slow their pace of tightening. So it may be that despite this more dovish tone that we're, we're hearing now, they change their tune in the months ahead if it becomes clear that although headline inflation is coming down, core inflation is staying high, wage negotiations are, are still causing significant increases in pay, then it may well be the case that, that, that they have to they have to change course and, and keep hiking rates. And that could be very damaging to their economies, of course. And, and I think the second bigger risk is that higher interest rates might cause problems in the financial system, which then seep into the real economy. And those risks are greatest in economies where asset prices and particularly house prices increase substantially during the low interest rate era where the shadow banking sector is relatively large or where interest rates are now moving up the most sharply. I think that the UK is one of the economies most at risk there. And that's it for this episode. You can find all the research that we discussed on our website, capitaleconomics.com. Until next time, have a great week.